Welcome everyone to Strictly Jojo, a podcast dedicated to Jojo's bizarre adventure. My name is Courtney. This is episode 73 and we're reviewing part six, Stone Ocean Underworld. As always, there'll be spoilers for this episode and anything that's happened in the Jojo anime. Not to be mistaken for the localized title of Netherworld, it is Underworld. Although Netherworld is pretty close. It's one of those localized names that again, I could deal with because it's close enough where it still works. Yeah, it still has that sinister tone to it. Netherworld, underworld, the world, all the worlds. <laughs> Although the spelling for underworld is two separate words, right? Um, I think the actual reference that's being made to the band is a compound word. Um, it might be just separated for the copyright purposes wherever you see that title well we get our our titles from the wikipedia page for stone ocean or for jojo in general so however they have it written there is how i assume it's supposed to be written before localization kicks in i guess you could say translations or localizations are just a world of their own <laughs> well, um, it's weird because when I look at the Wikipedia page for various parts, some of them say, for for example, um, the Stone Ocean episodes are all titled when they're in separate parts. So like we're coming up on heavy, um, heavy weather and it's three parts, but it's just parentheses with the number in there. But then I looked back at uh, Stardust Crusaders and the way they write it is like the episode title, comma, part one, part two. So I don't know why there's inconsistencies there. But what again, whatever is on Wikipedia, that's what we go for. Because I, I have noticed there are some weird changes to titling depending on the streaming service you're looking at. So I figure I'm just going to go with Wikipedia and use that as the be all end all. Well, even in when the title flashes across the screen, um, it doesn't say, for the episodes broken into parts, it doesn't say part one. It, it usually shows the number in a circle. So Yeah, that's true. So maybe the, the discrepancies in part titling stem from whoever's titling them on the Japan end, not so much the, uh, the overseas end. Either way, it's weird. Um, and I just figure there's so many variations out there that I'm just going to go with whatever Wikipedia says. And Wikipedia says that Underworld is two separate words, at least for this episode title. So that's what we're going to go with. Well, that was a very drawn out discussion about episode titles. <laughs> but I think we can tr transition from from Underworld to the Patreon world, right? Ooh, yes, because we have a new patron that we want to shout out, and that is Francis J. Welcome, Francis, to the Strictly Fam, and welcome to our Patreon. Woohoo! <laughs> That's my round of applause I got to do. <laughs> uh, but yes, thank you, Francis, for your support. Um, in line with today's episode, I think it's definitely got us seeing rainbows. Ooh, 
whether that's a good thing or a bad thing. <laughs> no, in this case, it is a good thing. I know, yeah, the episode rainbows are an omen, but here I gladly welcome the sight of your support. <laughs> yes, thank you so much, Francis. We really appreciate it. Um, and your support does mean a lot to us. It helps us out. And we hope that you enjoy being a part of our patron Strictly fam. And if any of you guys listening would like to support, support the show as well and get access to things like our bonus episodes, our pre-shows, and even see our show schedules ahead of time, then head over to patreon.com slash the Strictly Series. Moving on to JoJo news. I know that we are about a week removed from New Year's Day. However, there is a piece of JoJo news from jojonews.com, specifically with the 2023 greeting card that was delivered by Hirohiko Araki, the creator of JoJo himself. I guess from his official account on Twitter, which I just learned he has a sort of official account on Twitter, Uh, but it is a visual of his New Year's greeting card. Uh, Just to read the message on it, it says, Happy New Year, Reiwa 5, according to the translation. I think because Japan, sometimes the way they go through years is by the era that they are in. Or like the period, yeah. Yeah, so I guess... Right now, 2023 would be Reiwa 5 for them. Um, The message continues. Thank you all for your support during the past year. I sincerely wish you all the best in your health and happiness. I look forward to your continuous support this year as well. But the very interesting thing about this greeting card is, I guess Araki has done greeting cards since the 90s that have had some sort of JoJo theme around them. And for this year... He usually adds in the animal of the Chinese zodiac that is representative of a given year. So this year, it's the rabbit, the year of the rabbit. But within the picture of the rabbit that he drew is a character that people are speculating could be a glimpse at a part nine character or quite possibly the protagonist for part nine Jojo Land's. Yeah, looking at this card, and by the way, um, if you're a member of our Discord, we'll drop a copy of the the New Year's greeting card in there so you guys can see it as well. And if you're not a member, the link to join is in the description. But the card is like very, it's a combination of minimalist, but stylish at the same time. It, it screams Iraqi. It's definitely something that he would create. Um, and it says like the Jojo Lands, which is the, the name of part nine. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I, I think... The reason people are speculating this is likely to be the protagonist of uh, JoJo Part 9 is because it would make sense, I think, if you're going to reveal a character that it's going to be the main character of that part. But also, um, it looks like they have a star bead or hair, like, tie tie or, like, hair ornament of some sort in the shape of a star. Yeah. Um, You know, when I originally thought of the name JoJo Lands... For some reason, I kept thinking amusement park because it just like sounds Polnareff like... Like Land. <laughs> right. Uh, but just going off of this imagery... Or Polnareff World. I don't remember which one it was, it was but you get Pol- the idea. Yeah, Polnareff Land or whatever. But just going off the imagery of this character with with them wearing that, that piece in their hair kind of reminds me of like... Or I guess it, it evokes like native or indigenous imagery because I think... Um, here in the states, like Native Americans, you can see some of them wear their hair in braids in historical photos. So I'm wondering if 
the Jojo Lands is going that route with the story. I got that vibe too. Just looking at this very small image of this Jojo Lands character, I felt similar to that. And if you'll notice in the lower right, there are palm trees. So that's mm. that's making me wonder if we're to use process of elimination, where could Jojo Lands be set? Whether it is like real world location or a, a uh, not a fake, but a fictional location that emulates the feel of a particular place. Like when I see palm trees, I think California. I kind of doubt it's California. Florida again. Florida, yeah, Florida <laughs> again. Yeah, <laughs> that could be a possibility. Um, or of course, there's plenty of places outside of the U.S. that have palm trees. Um, I don't know anything about the settings for parts seven and eight, so I don't know if they take place in the U.S. I know I that know there that are like parts, U.S. Part seven, I think, takes place in an alternate U.S. Because they have the U.S. president. <laughs> yeah, I guess so. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I, I don't know. We're, this is all just speculation. I also get the vibe like the time period sort of looks like maybe the 60s or 70s. Just looking at, again, the imagery, the colors, the way right. Lance is drawn. Um, yeah, that's like, I don't know, it's like the vibe that I'm getting. But, again, who who knows? It's it's a Rocky. The only other major hint we have about Jojo Lance is the one that we talked about previously where he mentions that the protagonist of Jojo Lands is going to be a descendant, whether it's a direct descendant or not, of Joseph Joestar. Mm-hmm. So that's all we know, um, but I'm sure there are plenty of fan theories out there based on that little tidbit plus the screening card. But as always, we will share a link to the news article for this greeting card in the Discord as well as the visual itself so all of you can bask in its glory. All right, it's time for Underworld. And every time I say it, I want to say underwear. I don't know I why. About to, I was processing that in my I head know, too. I don't know why. Like Underworld is not an uncommon thing, but for some reason when it comes to JoJo, I'm like tempted to say underwear. So if I make the mistake at any point, I apologize. One question that's still outstanding from our previous episode is whether or not Versus's stand Underworld is a sentient stand. We had um, anticipated that maybe this episode would allow us to get a better sense of its sentient nature, whether it is sentient or not. But I would say not so much. We really didn't see much of Underworld in this episode. So I have a feeling we're going to need to revisit this question in the next episode because Underworld and Versus still have a pretty prevalent... um, They're still pretty prevalent in the next episode, so I'm trying to say. As for initial thoughts on this episode, I, I feel like this is a fucking wild ride. I get the same sort of tension and like being on the edge of my seat that I would watching a bomb be disarmed with like, you know, 10 seconds to go. (laughs) You know, those scenes Mm. in movies where it's like they come across a bomb and it's going to blow up in like 60 seconds and they're trying to disarm it. But then there's all this other shit going on behind them. That's what I felt the entire time I was watching this. There was no bomb, but there was a countdown and that evoked the same feeling. I mean, yeah, there's a plane crash, which is an There's explosion. two plane crashes now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's, just, it's wild that this whole episode, we're supposed to believe it takes place over the course of two goddamn minutes. But that's JoJo logic for you. Oh, get, my God. I didn't even think about yeah, that. You're right. The, the first half of the episode. starts at 2133. Or no, sorry. It starts at 2131. And then the plane crashes at 2133. 
which is what time? Like it's military time. The equivalent would be nine. Nine thirty three p.m. Yes, and yeah, you're right. I didn't even I didn't even think about that. Jojo logic at play here. Yeah, I I think the the crash sequence happens for the like the first two thirds of the episode, and the final mm-hmm. third is when Jolene goes after Versus and Poochie. So yeah, I, that's the longest drawn out two minutes ever, or at least you know one of the longest drawn out two minutes in Jojo. Also, Planes and JoJo just never mix well together, do they? They don't. And it's funny that Jolene <laughs> has been in like two plane crashes now. Oh, if you count the helicopter. Yeah, crash. the helicopter and then the plane. And you could even say the, the fighter jet, three oh, airplanes right. maybe. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's just funny that she often has parallels to Joseph Joestar, who also, I think, had three plane crashes. I, yeah, it was the one where he was younger uh, than the one that he flew. When he was battling cars. Yeah. And then the plane he crashed in the beginning of Stardust Crusaders. Or not, yeah, wait, no, no. He crashed a plane in Stardust Crusaders? No, no, he's, that's not that part. It's, um, yeah, Baby Stand. Baby Stand episode, He isn't he flying the plane? Um, I think so. I can't recall off the top of my head, but I, I think there was a plane involved with the Baby Stand episode. If I remember correctly, I think that airplane crashes, and I'm pretty sure Joseph is flying it. But then you could also consider the Tower of Grey episode, which is one of the first episodes of Stardust Crusaders, um, where that beetle like attacks everybody on the airplane and the pilots are killed. You could kind of consider that, not, maybe not a, an airplane crash, but another incident with an airplane with Joseph. So maybe there's four incidents with airplanes in total for him. I mean, moral of the story is planes are, are as bad of a sign in JoJo as seeing a dog is. Yeah, basically. Although, um, one thing I, I do plan to bring up when there is a, a dog that makes an appearance in part six, I don't think we have any dead dogs in part six. Mm, I think you're right. Like dead or injured. So we'll, we'll get there when the one dog shows up, I think in a few episodes. I know you said that you thought this was a, a pretty great episode, and I also was I was really looking forward to the outcome of this battle with Underworld because Jolene is pretty much literally fighting against fate with this plane crash, or due to crash in a matter of minutes. I don't know, though, if I fully accept the logic behind how she and Hermes survive. Yeah, it's questionable. And I wonder, have we seen Hermes do this sort of embedding before with her stand mm-hmm. ability? Diver Down has done it. And that makes sense because Diver Down, the, the whole stand's purpose is to rearrange things. Um, but Hermes duplicating a passenger and then to hiding inside it, like hiding multiple people inside that passenger. I don't know. Jolene (laughs) hides in her mouth or something. Because it's not like there's any extra room in the passenger. There should just be two passengers. So unless like the passenger has like two pieces of them stuck together and they're inside, that could make a little bit of room for somebody. I don't know. I think (laughs) it was just a whole stretch. And there are other things I have about the climax that I'll I'll bring up later. Uh, But I think... All of this just really gets thrown to the side at the end with the bombshell of weather report 
gaining his memories back and how that no pun intended absolutely rocks the rest of stone Ocean's story do you feel like that kind of took precedence uh with this episode once it or once it was revealed at the end yes and no like that that definitely stole the spotlight when it was revealed but before that i mean it didn't we, we didn't have that until the end therefore everything in the beginning seemed pretty significant regardless like they had to survive that crash in order for anything to happen afterwards so that's true it, it needed to happen it, it it was you know maybe it's weird that they're kind of moving on pretty quickly from it but i think in this case they have to take a pause because versus is telling them that something's going to happen to weather report and they need to hear what that is in order to figure out like how can we help him or what is what is going on up there on the surface and what do we need to be prepared for so i think if it wasn't such critical information that versus was holding on to jolene would just pummel the shit out of him okay i I can see that but all right jojo fans time to brace for impact as we dive her down into our synopsis and discussion for part six episode 29 underworld Despite the turbulent situation, things seem to be going on the up and up for Jolene and Hermes, even as the former gets lodged into a Top Gun Maverick fighter jet memory. For a prison posse reunion is on the horizon with the arrival of Hisoka Sui and Weather Report at the hospital. This plus Pucci Gangier's incessant sports commentary on the flight and fight, plus a backstory that seems way too similar to the plot of Holes by Louis Sakar equals a very vicious versus who manages to steal Weather Report's soul album from the pompous priest. Meanwhile, Jolene gets into contact with Emporio via a stolen walkie-talkie, and using the power of the internet, they devise a plan to crash the Top Gun Maverick fighter jet into the commercial flight and book two tickets for her and Hermes to survivor mode. However, versus changes their status to delayed, when he throws three sickly child patients from the hospital into their booked seats, forcing the prison posse pair to call a two-second audible on who the fuck gets to float on through this flight. In true JoJo logic, however, Jolene and Hermes book extra tickets for the children by using their stand abilities to hide in the bodies of the surviving passengers, allowing them to safely deplane and defeat the demonic descendant of Dio. But boy does the plot thicken, when Versus's stand delivers Weather Report's soul album back to its owner. And let me tell you, despite the meteorological phenomenon that subsequently occurs, it's certainly not going to be rainbows and butterflies from here on out. And now into our next segment of the show, is that a music and or fashion reference where we document any and all nods, homages, and tributes that this extraordinary anime makes to the ordinary world of music and or fashion. But there are none for this episode since we've already been introduced to Versus and Underworld. So that concludes this segment. Well, then it's time for the JoJo meme rundown where we list each new JoJo meme that appeared in this episode. And we also don't have any for this episode. So if you guys know of any, reach out, let us know. But as of right now, I don't think there are any JoJo memes for the episode Underworld. Underworld is underwhelming in that sense. (laughs) The episode starts out with Weather Report and Anasui at the hospital. And Anasui is asking Weather Report who he senses and where Jolene is at, where Poochie is at. And Weather Report kind of freaks out saying, well, hang on, I can actually sense a third unknown person. 
And it's nothing new to us. I mean, it's new to Weatherport and to Anasui, but it's really nothing new to us. It's not any new information that we're getting. It's just... It's uh, versus that he's sensing? Yeah, it's versus. Mm. Um, but he doesn't know that. So he's like, there's some other person here that I can sense. So it's just a, a fun little glimpse into what Weather Report is able to uh, to sense as a a new member of the Joestar family, technically. But then it quickly switches over to Jolene and Hermes mid-flight. Um, we get a little bit of a recap, and then we're right back into the thick of it. And the first thing Jolene tries to do is open the airplane door while it's in mid-flight. And I can tell you that this is impossible. So the movie's a lie to us. You can't open plane doors. You cannot open plane <laughs> doors or side doors or anything like that, or the overwing doors. You can't open them mid-flight or once the airplane is pressurized because the cabin pressure will not physically allow you to do so. You would have to be insanely strong in order to open that thing while it's pressurized. I mean, it's Jolene. It, well, <laughs> even still, it's like, <laughs> I Googled this before we recorded as well, just to confirm my understanding is correct, but it's essentially like sealing the door shut. Like if it were physically attached to the airplane, that is how intense the pressurization is so for her to just fling the door open i was sitting there like nah that's not how that works jojo logic aside like that that does not work like that but hey Araki can do what he wants in jojo and he's done that plenty of times so he's allowing jolene to do the impossible but she just ends up on another plane anyways so yeah no so difference. <laughs> hermes is like well here she goes she's gonna use the the air pressure um, as it sucks her out of the airplane to essentially launch herself at Versus and Poochie. And as she's about to land a punch, she then finds herself inside of a fighter jet. And I'm thinking, damn, Versus has a lot of potential if it can manifest like two separate plane crashes at the same time from the memories in the ground, which we already saw a little bit in the previous episode when Hermes was trying to pull Jolene up and then Underworld was able to manifest, um, what is his name? Sportsmax. Sportsmax, yes, thank you. Uh, he It was able to manifest Sportsmax while also manifesting the plane crash. Um, so we know, based on these two episodes, that at maximum, um, or at least... And sorry, minimum. I don't know. Either way, <laughs> there, there's the ability for Underworld to manifest two different memories. Um, I don't think we'll see a third happen at any point. But hey, that's still pretty, like OP. Well, I think we'll we'll get to it. But when he manifests uh, that image of Poochie from the ground, you can count that as a third. Oh shit! Did he manifest um, that while the? fighter jet was in play yes oh fuck okay so he <laughs> i'm already wrong he can manifest three memories um yeah and just looking back at the stand stats for underworld from last week's episode ranges at a so i think you can kind of count that ability under the range category as as in like in terms of the range of how many memories underworld can conjure up it's at this point that we start to get Poochie taunting verses a little bit because when Jolene realizes she's in yet another memory, she uses her, her string to 
reach all the way up out of the hole and grab the officer's uh, walkie-talkie so that she can use it to communicate with Emporio. And Pucci tells Versus that Jolene's skills were sharpened in prison and that she already anticipated something like this might happen. So she had a plan B ready to go. This gets under Versus' skin pretty quickly, and he starts to show his cocky nature which, you know, could be tied back to the fact that Dio was also very cocky. And he starts kind of yelling at Poochie. Really quick, going back to the walkie-talkie thing, that just proves that Jolene is able to retract her thread. So she could have done that in the last episode. I know we were talking about that. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, she retracted it in order to bring that walkie-talkie back down to her. So there you go. Maybe in the moment, the heat of the moment, she forgot that she could do that. But yeah, like father, like son uh, versus is showing some of Dio's tendencies. I think we talked about it last episode, too, about his superiority complex coming out whenever Pucci irritates him. This is also when we have a, a bit of a step back, not a step back, but we take a glimpse into versus. Yeah, there you go. Flashback. We get a glimpse into versus's backstory, um, albeit a short glimpse although maybe it's not it did feel kind of long but Mm -hmm. he starts off by saying that he didn't know anything about his real dad no duh neither did Jorno or anybody else um but that he got sick of his his mom and stepdad who favored his sisters and therefore he ran away and i'm like that sounds pretty similar to Jorno, where he also had a shitty mom and stepdad and therefore said bye-bye (laughs) <laughs> did he run away or did they die? I can't remember what happened there. No, he, I think he ran away just because he did, he felt so unloved by them. Okay. So yeah, very similar stories there. Speaking of similarities, I know we've beaten the saying is that a JoJo reference like a dead horse in the JoJo community, but now it's time to ask, is that a Holes reference? Yeah. So can you explain this to me? I've never read the book really? Holes and I've never seen the movie. Really? So I I read about, you know, Versus' backstory in the part six manga. And then when you watched this episode for the first time with me, you're like, wait a minute, this is the plot of Holes. And I'm like, I had <laughs> no fucking idea. So how similar is this to Holes and what, what differences did you spot? I mean, it's almost similar to a T, besides the way that Versus's fate unfolds. You really didn't read Holes. It wasn't required reading for like your grade school. No, because I was in AP classes. So we read- Grade school AP? Wait, grade school? I thought people read this in high school. No, I read this. I think I read this in like fourth or fifth grade. Oh, in our high school, I think there were some teachers that had it for um, for like certain English classes or whatever, but I was in AP, and so we read The Odyssey instead. Well, to provide a, a sort of TLDR of holes, it's the story of Stanley Yelnat, uh, who has a lot of unfortunate circumstances happen to him, and... Uh, on a particular day, a pair of shoes fall from the sky that end up being the baseball cleats of this famous player. Uh, the police suspect that he had stolen them, and then he gets tried in court and gets sent to a juvenile detention camp where he's forced to dig holes all day. And so that's basically the same thing that happens in Versus' situation with like the stolen baseball cleats falling on his head, him having all these unfortunate things happen to him. But I guess instead of being sent to a, a camp to dig holes, he just gets sent to a juvenile detention facility. But 
yeah, it's just really odd how similar these stories are playing out. But I was doing a little bit of research, and the book Holes by Louis Sackar was written in 1998, which was two years before the Stone Ocean manga began publication. So I feel like I'm sure Araki at some point had read this book and felt inspired by the story and thought it would go well with like Versus's backstory. So what about the parts where Versus, like after he's put into the juvenile detention center, starts to like, his body starts to basically collapse on him and then he like stabs his hand and then there's like pus coming out of his hand and like worms and shit and he gets a fever. Is all of that part of Holes as well? No, the similarities stop after they're, after he's sent to juvenile detention. Oh, okay. So it's just that initial story about the baseball cleats falling from the sky. Oh, okay. Okay, that makes sense. So basically it's just showing us that Versus has a, a backstory like Holes and I guess a, a backstory like a series of unfortunate events. I've actually never seen that movie either. But or read the book. Or read the, I didn't even know there was a book. <laughs> they were based on books. Oh, my God. <laughs> Well, either way, it sounds like Versus had a series of unfortunate events that happened in the juvenile detention center, and therefore he just tried to live a life of solitude afterwards. So he he feels very strongly that he's owed something in his life after all of the crap that he had to go through. So he's saying that he finally has a stand, and he finally has potential, and his cockiness continues to grow because he's saying, unlike Poochie, he's the blood son of Dio and wants and deserves more and therefore plans to take it all from Poochie using Underworld. So basically, he wants to acquire Dio's power from Poochie and says that he has a right to it, which is an interesting concept. And it's um, it's something that makes me think about Ngalo and Rikiel and maybe even Giorno. Like if Giorno were to hear about this whole situation... How would Journal react? I mean, I'm sure he would do the righteous thing. He would do the the thing that would save the world. Um, but would he use the logic of, you know, Pucci, you don't deserve this because you are not blood related to Dio. This is something that you need to hand over to somebody like me who is a son of Dio. I mean, I, I kind of just chalk that back up to the, the sons of Dio just inheriting their father's personality and here it's just the cockiness um again the superiority complex where versus feels like he's much worthier of this cause than poochie is uh even though i i feel like versus is kind of sidelined by the end of this whole episode despite being that blood relative to dio well, I know we talked in the last episode about the potential that Underworld has, that Versus has with that stand, that if he wanted to live a, a great life, he could become like the world's greatest fucking detective using this ability. And here he continues to use it in a unique way where Pucci is alive. He's standing right in front of him, but he's using a memory probably from like five seconds ago of Pucci just being here in this place in order to access his body and take the disc off of his body. So I'm like, damn, can you imagine if you wanted to go the opposite route and instead of living like a righteous life, live like a life full of crime, he could just find somebody who has something really valuable on them and then dig a copy up, dig a copy of them up out of the ground and then just take the item from that ground copy instead or memory, whatever you want to call it. 
Oh, okay. See, my understanding of Underworld is that they can only unearth memories of like things that have died, but it's just anything that has happened on Earth. That's the way they posed it in the last episode. So we talked heavily about how the memories of those who have died and like died on the Earth is what Underworld is 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 like taking or like digging up technically in in this sense. But then I think about the next episode where he goes after Emporio or like when he digs up a memory of Jolene. So I think it is much farther reaching than just digging up memories of those who have passed on. It's also people who are still alive. They just had to have done something in that area, in that place. They've had to have existed basically at some point and therefore he can dig them up out of the ground. Okay. Okay. This kind of negates something that I, a gripe I had about, um, about the climax of this episode, but that, I think that makes much sense. And yeah, seeing that there, he conjured up a, a football game in a later episode. Yeah, I'm sure those football players aren't dead. So it's right. just memories in general. And we have to remember that Versus, this is a brand new stand Versus. So it's going to continue to evolve as he's discovering new aspects of it. As honestly, we see with almost all stands. How many times have we stopped and asked ourselves, did Jolene Stan do this before? Or did Josuke Stan do this before? Like there's always moments where there's a new like skill that's introduced by Iraqi. And we ask ourselves, have we ever seen this person use their stand in this way before? But it makes sense that those stands are going to evolve. Now on the flip end, Iraqi often <laughs> introduces new skills and then never shows them to us again. Okay, there was one other question I had where Versus scratched out that vision of Poochie. Um, before I go to that, I just want to go back to the baseball cleats really quick. Yeah. Because there is a, is a reference there that's a blink and you'll miss kind of reference. Um, in the story, in Versus's backstory, he mentions that these baseball cleats belong to a player named Ichiro. I think the real life reference is to the retired MLB player Ichiro Suzuki, who is known for playing with the Seattle Mariners. Um, this is because the number on the cleats, the, the tongue of the cleats is his player number, which is 51. So a little interesting trivia for you there. So that's not the same like player reference in holes? No, it was a fictional baseball player. Oh, okay. Which was weird because in the movie, I think the baseball player was played by Rick Fox, who was- a Who's that? He is a basketball player. Oh, what? <laughs> for, okay. for the Lakers. <laughs> so that was weird. But anyway, that's a fun fact for all of you. Um, but going back to this vision of Pucci that versus unearths, he takes Weather Report's disc from this vision, right? Yes. So does that disc work the same way as the real disc that is on the real Pucci? Uh, yeah, basically, because we see that at the end of the episode, although that's making me wonder, are there now two discs in existence? Because mm -hmm. shouldn't Poochie have one on his person and then the Earth version of Poochie, I guess, would have an another one? Yeah. I mean, the, the real disc is just for naught now. Maybe it's like the concept of real CDs where you can burn copies of CDs. There you go. <laughs> I just thought it, it was weird, like getting a from a memory and it's still working like the real world counterpart 
Going back to the fighter jet, um, Jolene is using the walkie-talkie, her newly acquired walkie-talkie, to call for Emporio, but calling for him on a cell phone. I don't know how that works. I'm not even going to question it. Maybe it works Mm -hmm. and and someone can explain it to us. But either way, she did it. And (laughs) this is probably the best scene of the whole episode. Um, Jolene calls for Emporio and explains in a very panicked way that they're in a plane and a fighter jet that are going to crash and explode, and they're, like, underground. Yeah. And and it just pans out to, like, Emporio standing in the middle of this, like, on the sidewalk in the middle of this random area, and he pauses for a second and says, huh? (laughs) I just thought it was so good. I'm like, there's no way that Emporio is able to process whatever the fuck Jolene just explained to Mm -hmm. him. And he's only a couple of yards from the hospital, right? Yeah, he's not that far at all. So I'm like, what have you been doing this whole time? And I'm thinking he, he could probably see Anasui in a weather report if he just turned around. That is true because they're standing right at the entrance this entire time. But I just I really appreciated this comedic moment mm-hmm. because this is this is exactly the way non JoJo fans probably react to JoJo fans explaining any part of JoJo to them. Like whether yeah, there's it's, a plane in the ground. Yeah, whether it's trying to explain the plot of this episode or this mini arc that there's a plane and a fighter jet flying underground, or explaining I don't know the concept of stands in general or about Dio and and you know the Joe stars. Like there's just you can pull any fucking moment from JoJo, try to explain it logically to someone who's a, a non JoJo fan, and they will react the way Emporio reacted in the scene. Along with the next thing that happens with Emporio is that he just starts searching the internet through a computer that appears on the sidewalk. I think it's his ghost computer. Yeah. Um. So yeah, he he pulls that bad boy out and and goes to to work and basically says that he finds a workaround that um, if Jolene just makes the jet crash into the airplane, neither of them will blow up because they need to crash into the ground in order to fulfill the original memory and therefore explode. But I'm thinking, isn't crashing the fighter jet into the airplane deviating from fate, deviating from the memory? Because the the fighter jet says, or the fighter jet pilot says we're going to crash soon. Hermes even confirms at a certain point that the fighter jet is due to crash sooner than the airplane. And yet they forego all of that. They bypass all of that by this workaround that undoes the idea of like the memory cannot be altered. Hmm. It made sense in my head <laughs> when I was thinking. <laughs> Maybe it's just that it's not it's not directly affecting the outcome for both memories, even if one memory is lodging into another memory. But it is affecting the fighter jet memory. Because that fighter jet should have exploded before the airplane crash occurred. I thought Emporio said it it wouldn't happen in the same time span. Oh, I'm so confused now. Because Hermes says at one point that they're in a really bad situation because this airplane is going to explode soon. And even before that, the fighter jet is going to explode, if I remember correctly. Okay, here I have a article pulled up. Although the jet crashed before the plane did, it turns out the jet crashed into the airplane first without causing an explosion. Okay, I think I got it. So I think the jet still crashed at the correct time, 
but it just did not crash into the ground. It crashed into the other airplane. So it's still fulfilling the fate of crashing at this particular time, but the location of crashing is different because it crashed into the airplane and not the ground, but it needs to crash into the ground in order to actually explode. Okay. Now that makes sense. Does that does that still feel fair? Not necessarily, but I think that explains this workaround that Emporio came up with. It's a cop-out. I think it's just expected <laughs> with JoJo logic. It's fine. It is what it is. Um, and then Emporio continues to to help out by saying that the two survivors of the plane crash sat in specific seats in the towards the back of the airplane, and that's what allows Jolene and Air that could that is what could allow Hermes and Jolene to survive this crash if they sit in those seats. So is that true? Is the back of an airplane the safest part of the aircraft? Generally, people say that, yes, the safest spot in the airplane in the event of a crash is going to be towards the back because oftentimes airplanes crash nose first. Uh, So that like blows away the fucking front of the airplane and then the back just like has residual damage, still terrible damage. But it's you're not like blowing it away because the front has already taken the brunt of a lot of the force. Mm. However, it depends on how the airplane airplane is crashing. If they try to stop the plane and the tail dips first, then the back end's gonna blow off and then you're you're mm-hmm. dead in the back. So it really just depends. But generally, I think statistically, the back is the safer spot based on actual crashes, which sounds terrible, but you know. Yeah, we're we're not trying to terrify anyone. I think <laughs> I think planes are still the safest form of transport. I know we're probably so. <laughs> we probably have some listeners who are already terrified to fly. We're very, very sorry if this this made things worse. So then Underworld kind of finally appears and um again don't get a real good sense on whether or not Underworld is sentient or if this is versus talking through Underworld, but Underworld basically says that um if if it can't stop or if it can't physically destroy the seats because Jolene has trapped it then it's going to do an alternative by preventing her from sitting in the seat at all and versus drops in three children from the hospital of above to take those spots I think this is another example of versus exhibiting some of Dio's characteristics just because he doesn't bat an eye by just throwing child patients into this mix kind of showing his very morbid and gruesome nature. Yeah, and we even get a, a moment where Versus's goal is made clear that he, if he's not able to physically stop Jolene in this sense, he would rather put a moral choice in her hands. And if she makes that choice, she'll be stuck with a guilty conscience forever. So sort of like a an alternative to actually getting rid of her permanently. I think this situation is where I mentioned I had a qualm earlier, but this got cleared up with understanding Underworld's abilities because I figured if the two passengers survived, would there be memories of them on this flight since they're not dead? But we've already talked about it doesn't have to be dead people. It's just the memories of that particular situation. My other question, though, is that how can these child patients actually see the memories of this flight if the scene is manifested through a stand ability? Uh, Oh, good question. I can only think that maybe it acts in the same way that the fucking orangutan worked in Stardust Crusaders. What Mm. is it? Like 
power no not strength. power strength i'm thinking of chainsaw man um strength where where annie was able to see that ship be on the ship interact with the ship because the intensity of that stand what it was manifesting was so big so powerful that even non-stand users were mm. able to see it that that is something that i I think back when we reviewed that episode, I was maybe thinking to myself, are we ever going to see this again? Well, actually, I think this is another moment yeah. of, of that, where this is an entire fucking airplane crash. I mean, I think that's about as intense as manifesting a, a freight freight ship, freighter, whatever you call it. Freighter, yeah. So I think here that makes sense. But you do bring up a good point. I didn't even think about that. How are these kids able to see this stuff? So, um, so yeah, that's the only explanation that I can come up with. I mean, that kind of makes sense. It's like another callback to part three, which happens often in part six. After the eye catch, we get the plane actually exploding on time with, you know, the children apparently there or whatever. But before we even find out the fate of those actual people of Hermes, Jolene and the three children, um, we have Pucci yet again taunting verses. And he, he asks him if he feels guilty about putting the children on the plane. But then Versus kind of flips it back on him saying, well, hey, this was all necessary because you wanted this. I'm doing all of this for your sake. You wanted Jolene gone. This is the only way to make her actually disappear. So I thought that was a very clever response from Versus. Because, again, Pucci's been nagging him this entire time, but Versus kind of puts it back on him in this moment. Yeah, I would feel like that would be very ungodly of a priest to indirectly bring about the deaths of three children. But maybe it's just because Pucci is so fixated on his mission to attain heaven that it doesn't affect him even after Versus brings this up to him which is interesting because if you think about what happens at the end of stone ocean he probably kills a lot of people inadvertently <laughs> yes unless like he feels like everyone's death is justified because of what it brings about after after what he does at the end of stone ocean um kiss comes into play though in the next scene or at least in, in the climax of this episode and Courtney mentioned the eye catch earlier. Um, just to go back to that, the eye catch for this episode is the stand stats for Hermes' stand kiss. To quickly go over that, destructive power is at A, speed is at A, range is at A, durability is at C, precision and accuracy are at A, and development potential is at A. So I don't know if development potential could be the answer to how... Hermes uses the stand in this moment. Yeah, as we talked about earlier, I think it's fair for stands to evolve and for stand users to discover new and unique ways to use their stands. But this way of using Kiss just seems like a huge stretch. Like it really just, it really does um, to actually embed people inside of a duplicated person when that duplicated person is no larger than when they were not duplicated um and then to like so if if they were to be duplicated and you stuff three children inside of them when they unduplicate then like how do you even get the people out of there without them getting hurt in the process of removing the stickers i mean it's a memory i guess that's the caveat 
True, but then couldn't she also use the same ability as, on a person, on like a, a living person? Has she used this before? I'm like trying to think. Maybe she has, and we just don't recall because she really wasn't a big part of the second core of Stone Ocean. So maybe it's too far back for me to remember off the top of my head. But uh, I feel like there may have been an instance where she kind of used the same concept, but maybe not as maybe not to this extreme. I just remember body parts, not actually fitting inside someone's body. Yeah, yeah, embedding something in someone else. Yeah, I'm not sure. I don't know. It's a stretch, but it's the way that they survived. Um, Jolene unraveling herself and then hiding inside somebody else does make a little more sense mm -hmm. because she can like squish the strings around <laughs> in order to, to fit crevices, um, as weird as that sounds. So yeah, there's there's a lot going on here, but they made it work, I guess, and they they all survived the plane crash. And then Jolene says her, I guess, kind of iconic line of yari yari dawa, which we haven't heard in a while. Yeah, I was gonna say we don't hear this line too often, as much as we've heard Jotaro say yari yari daze. I feel like this is probably only the second or third time, which is kind of disappointing, but yeah, maybe like Jolene doesn't want to. Just be a carbon copy of her father. Pucci continues to lay it on thick, really pushing Versus' buttons and asks him in this moment what he's going to do now that he failed to destroy Jolene. And um, yeah, he, he just he's just really pushing Versus to, to the edge. And that's why Versus probably goes rogue in the next episode. But we see Versus here um, reveal his plan to give Weather Report back his stolen memory and then uses that as sort of like a slap in the face to Pucci, but also as a, an opportunity to distract Jolene and Hermes from destroying him by warning them that their friend will become a foe. This may be a stretch, but I think that Pucci's betrayal by verses kind of strikes a, a religious chord. Just thinking of Pucci as a priest because it reminds me of the the Bible story of when Jesus was betrayed by his own disciple, Judas, if you look at Versus as being a disciple of Pucci. Uh, and I think there's another case of Dio's personality coming out in, uh, in Versus here, uh, sort of that deviousness or untrustworthiness since Versus ends up backstabbing Pucci and opens up a whole can of worms by giving weather reports disc back to weather report which is interesting because in like flashbacks or memories of Pucci's time with Dio Dio says to him I will never betray you like I I trust you mm. and I will never betray you so you have nothing to fear when it comes to me my son however yeah <laughs> my children I can't say the same thing um but that's that's like what's so unique about Pucci is that Dio would betray fucking anyone, let's be honest. But for some reason, he did not betray Pucci, probably because Pucci served a greater purpose um, for Dio, you know, after his death. That reminds me, I think there was an episode where I mentioned how Pucci, his outfit looked like weather reports in those flashbacks. Yeah. Wow. Full circle there. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> And speaking of Weather Report, the episode ends with Weather Report 
receiving his memories through that that disc that Poochie had stolen from him. He starts panicking because he's getting all his memories back. They're all coming, flooding into his head. And so as he's like clenching his head, he shoves that guy off the bench and yells at him to shut up. And I'm like, well, that's because his anger for Poochie has returned. Oh, uh, weather reports. Uh, I realize he's a dick, <laughs> but yeah, you, you figure out why. All right. Okay. Hang episodes. on. I'm I'm gonna defend this though. I think Weatherport is a really nice character. We see that in the flashbacks because they talk about like how he's just a genuinely nice guy and wants to help people. Um, but I think his anger for Poochie, I think like overtakes him in this moment and in a lot of moments, and that's probably why both Rikiol and Versus claim that Weatherport is going to turn friend go, from friend to foe. Because he's so hell bent on destroying Poochie. But in reflecting on that, I, because I, I recall reading that same line in the manga, but thinking about like what actually does happen after Weather Report receives the his memories back to that disc, he doesn't actually really betray them. It's more like his powers are out of control and mm-hmm. are inadvertently or unintentionally hurting his allies, but he's not doing anything to like intentionally hurt them. Does that make sense? Yeah, he's, it, I guess he's just indirectly hurting them, but it he isn't doing it f- with the purpose to put them in harm's way. Right, he's just really fucking angry at Poochie, and that's why he's kind of acting like a dick. Yeah, everyone's <laughs> angry at Poochie versus Jolene, Weather Report. All the anger's just coming out in this episode. <laughs> and that brings us to our final thoughts for part six, episode 29, Underworld. So did you really dig this episode? Yeah, I enjoyed it a lot. I think for what it was, it was a very self-contained episode, just, you know, cleaning up the rest of this like mini arc with verses um, and, and leading us into what will happen next with Weather Report. But like the episode itself was so intense. It was so fun. It was um, a, a wild ride from start to finish. Like the the episode just immediately throws you back into the tension, into the chaos of this plane crash. And then it expands by having a second fucking airplane. And then it expands by adding more uh, people who are at risk. So I think for what it is, um, it may not progress a ton of the story, but it gives you such a fun watch the entire time that this episode to me flies by. No pun intended with airplanes and fighter jets. What about you? I thought this episode was a good conclusion to the Underworld arc that shows, once again, how Jolene and her Joestar blood just narrowly escape the morbid clutches of fate and, as Poochie says in this episode, creates her own path, even if the means by which the prison posse does so is a bit of a stretch in the climax. Uh, Versus was a formidable enemy stand user, to serve as the sort of final boss of the Sons of Dio, and I especially love that thematic meaning behind Underworld's stand abilities of succumbing to fate. But as we've mentioned before, I just wish that Dio's bastard sons actually proved to be more of a credible threat than just these throwaway enemy stand users of the week. I'm still shook, though, by that Holes reference in Versus' backstory, but I guess it's a decent change of pace that he didn't succumb to a similar fate as his other unfortunate-looking brothers, though I think he just becomes a little bit more of a punchline than a threat after this point. 
But I think the biggest takeaway I got from this episode is, of course, the reactivation of Weather Report's memories and how much of a game-changing event this becomes for the rest of Stone Ocean Part 3. Because, like I said in my synopsis, it's not going to be rainbows and butterflies from here on out. Now that we've sort of concluded the Sons of Dio arc, I know that Versus still plays a significant part in the following episode, but I would say this sort of concludes the the true Sons of Dio arc. One thing that um, actually our, our good friend Kevin had mentioned to me and thinking about it, I, I do agree with him. It felt like, in comparison to the manga, it felt like the Sons of Dio arc moved much faster. If I remember correctly, the part six manga sort of, uh, it, it felt like the Sons of Dio arc took up more time and not in a bad way either. Like there was more significance to it. So I'd be curious to like compare the anime adaptation to the manga for this arc and see like if they cut things out um, or if the pacing was shortened. But yeah, it did feel like we moved very quickly through Sons of Dio. And I may have mentioned this before as well. But again, like if it's in order to, if this decision was made so that the rest of the story could have good pacing, that's fine with me. Because from here on out, everything else that happens is very significant. The weather report arc, the sea moon arc, the maiden heaven arc and the finale, that is like the meat and potatoes of the end of Stone Ocean. So it's fine. Like I, I think that the the pacing from here on out, it's going to be phenomenal. I just wish that maybe there was one extra episode to stretch out Sons of Deal a little bit more. Yeah. How many episodes do we get with them? Like three, four? I think four. One for Ungalo. No, two for Ungalo. And then one, one for, for Rikio. Oh, then two for Versus. So, yeah. So five. five. Um, I mean, five is still a lot, though, I guess. But to tackle three separate Sons of Dio, that seems pretty quick. Yeah. I would say like three episodes per Son of Dio. But yeah, I guess it's just to to keep the pace going for, again, what is a very, regardless, it's a very intense part of Stone Ocean with the Sons of Dio and with what's to come. So, Yeah, and speaking of what's to come, Weather Report, oof, you know, he's my favorite and I'm excited but also very sad to talk about everything that we learn and the ultimate fate for Weather Report in this next arc. But look forward to that. And thank you guys, as always, for tuning in each and every week. We've got some good discussion coming up with these next three episodes. As always, subscribe to Strictly JoJo on your favorite podcast service. Join our Discord to chat with us. Follow us on Instagram at The Strictly Series, on Twitter at Strictly Series, and check out our website, thestrictlyseries.com. If you'd like to support the show, then head over to patreon.com slash thestrictlyseries and tune into Strictly Anime, our other podcast for anime reviews and discussions. All links are in the description. Thank you so much for listening. And as always, stay safe, stay healthy, stay weeb. To be continued.